since you had a creator of biofiction in the room, mm -hmm. I was surprised we didn't talk more about the act of creating biofiction. And it's the difference between sort of maybe a theater conference and an academic conference it, it, is that there you, you want to talk about what it all means and what it suggests and what it conveys and the various lenses through which you can view this material and or you can talk about well yeah how do you how do you do this because if we're if we're if 400 years later we're mystified about how and why shakespeare did what he did it seems like it's valuable to talk to people who are doing that stuff now Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 15th year, number 749, More Shakespearean Biofiction. As Shakespeare's birthday month continues, this week I share with you the rest of my conversation with Adele Semple from University College Cork and Ronan Hatful from the University of Warwick. Adele and Ronan convened their seminar, Shakespearean Biofiction on the Stage and Screen, for this year's annual conference of the Shakespeare Association of America, and I presented a paper on writing William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged. This week, our conversation veers away slightly from stage and screen to talk more about how repertory studies can lend insight into theatrical texts, and also how certain novels compare with movies and plays. Novels like Maggie O'Farrell's current bestseller, Hamnet, which if you haven't read and you've been listening to all these recent podcasts about Shakespeare, you really should read right now. Adele started our conversation by taking a repertory studies approach to the TNT series Will, which lasted one season a few years ago and which novelist Christopher Moore and I reviewed back on podcast number 553 in July of 2017. I'd come back to the repertory studies and how you can apply that to um, looking at the, the TV series and the films because surely it makes a difference that um, somebody like um, Kapoor and um, Craig Pierce who make the, the Will TV series short-lived as it was um, that they have so much experience you know internationally on Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet and um, in, in making say a big Hollywood blockbuster like Elizabeth and um, so they're applying I suppose what they might know to uh, about Hollywood movies to writing Will Shakespeare writing back in the, the 1590s or that's what I kind of thought about the the Will series. I just wish I had liked that series at all. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to rewatch it. There's there's a lot in it. I, I was surprised because it was new. It was new to me, but there's there's really interesting stuff going on with with everything, with the costume, with the music, with the, the depictions of modern masculinity. I, I just kind of, I was texting Ronan during watching it and was like, oh my God, and a kid nearly burned down the theater. And I can't believe they did that. And so, yeah, there's plenty of kind of excitement in it as well as like fun stuff to analyze. I don't think it makes itself easy to like. Um, I think that that's part of the problem. I think it's like tonally, um, like deliberately tonally all over the place. I think that that's yeah. kind of part of it, but it can't decide. Um, I agree, share your opinion, Austin, on the fact that like the Catholic torture porn mm. um, scenes, as you brilliantly put, put, put it, like 
like don't work for me and i'm and you know, i say that as somebody that like has kind of liked tolerated game of thrones I, you know i it's i just don't think like the stuff to me i tell you what like the i love laurie davidson's shakespeare i think he is excellent in that role there's never much peril when you have shakespeare on stage or screen because we all know how the story ends he's going yeah. to achieve fame and success and just after thinking there when, when ron was talking have we ever seen shakespeare dead and die on screen before now i know we get zombie shakespeare in the simpsons at one point but all is true gives us, you know, Shakespeare on on his last day on on Earth. So that might be something in the the plus column for that film. It does something entirely new, um, gives us the end of his life rather than just the the start of of his life. It's one of the things though that I really didn't care for about that movie is that I don't want I don't want to imagine that the end of Shakespeare's life was like that. I, I don't mean, want to I don't want to imagine that his relationship with Anne was like that. I think it's one of the strengths. I think it's one of the reasons people were asking this: Why Hamnet? Why now? Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the successes of of Maggie O'Farrell's novel is that she gives us a a, a, a both an Anne Hathaway and a and a Shakespeare we can root for that we whose relationship we love and she really sticks the landing she gives it a kind of a race to the airport through the rain end of a rom-com ending a little bit yeah. it's really powerful there's a play by Edward Bond um British playwright called Edward Bond called Bingo um which is about Shakespeare and that and that um, ends in his death. Um, fun fact: you don't need to include this in the podcast. I, uh, when I was at Warwick as an undergrad, I was in a scratch night celebration of of Edward Bond's plays because the person that uh, that who head of my course was a mate of his called Tony Professor Tony Howard, and I was Shakespeare in in Bingo. None of us really knew our lines. Um, and most most of the people involved were first years, so they tried to like be like keen beans. Where I think I was a finalist and was kind of like I have exams, I'll do my best. But I, if I just rock up and do it from the script, then like then that that's fine. And so I was in bed um, as Shakespeare with like, like like something pulled up, and I had the book underneath the covers. And Edward Bond was in the audience. And he could tell that I was reading from the script. So he like got up, I shit you not. He got up, came up to the stage, took the book off me, not in an angry, like aggressive way, but just in a kind of like, I wasn't, so I was, so and he's like said, just, just do the, just, I can't remember how he spoke, but like, just, just do the scene. Just, I don't want to see it with the book. And I was like, ah, okay. Um, and I just had to like improvise basically, but um so yeah, my only time playing Shakespeare on stage, I was directed by the playwright, and Edward Bond's like a pretty big deal in the British kind of theatre scene, like post kind yeah, of John. He's not a playwright I'm familiar with, but I love that you you had to improvise Shakespeare's words because in the interview, the Folger interview with Maggie O'Farrell, that's one of the things she says is that she she was a bit nervous about. Um, um, and it's one of the reasons that she focuses more on Anne is that she was a bit nervous around, now she doesn't use those words, but a bit nervous around basically writing dialogue for Shakespeare, you know, the world's greatest wordsmith. Um, mm. So, yeah, yeah. But Ronan apparently had no problem with it whatsoever. <laughs> well, almost 30 years ago, I improvised at the Montreal uh, 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 Comedy Festival, Just just for Laughs Comedy Festival. Um, uh, I was part of an improv group and they invited two get they had two guest performers with them me from the reduced shakespeare company and eddie izzard and in when they got the style shakespeare 
Eddie and I became the king and queen of England or the king and queen of the forest. I don't remember. And I think he was the king and I was the queen. And I, I'm a terrible improviser, as my wife will tell you. And, and I forgot that it was Shakespeare. <laughs> so I'm up there improvising, but not in any sort of faux iambic pentameter. It was just terrible. And um, about seven years later, I saw, I ran into Eddie at the Apple store in LA and uh, reintroduced myself. And I said, yeah, we did a thing. And he looked at me like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was, and that was my brush with Eddie Izzard greatness. Talking about uh, uh, Maggie O'Farrell being uh, uh, intimidated by putting words into Shakespeare's mouth. Um, that's one of the things that I sort of realized early on is that, on, and I think I said this yesterday, is that, you know, one can be intimidated because Shakespeare, is, of course, is the greatest playwright who ever lived and I could never write like him. On the other hand, that can also be freeing because he's the greatest playwright and never lived and I can't write anything like him. So there's no point in worrying about it. It's also a way in which I think comedy allows allows for more freedom than mm -hmm. seriousness does. We know this is ridiculous. That's, again, one of my gripes with all is true, is that it doesn't know it's ridiculous. It doesn't want to, it doesn't want to admit its own ridiculousness. And I guess maybe that's one of my favorite performances of Branna is that he play when he plays Colin uh, in Upstart Crow. He's turns a into great death. character actor. He's a brilliant character actor. But there's just some I don't I don't know what it is that I wanted from him as Shakespeare, or maybe I just didn't want him as Shakespeare. But Temporal surely, <laughs> surely the tragedy there is not that he died because it's like his family life sucks. He's he he stopped writing. His kid is dead and he, he can't get over it, even though it's been 20 years in a time where child mortality was really high. Um, surely that, that so it, him dying seems like putting putting him and us out of our misery. It's it seems that seems like the, the tragic, the sad part of of Shakespeare's life is his decline as a writer or his 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 retirement. Mm -hmm. um, that that's that to me is sad. I really like his relationship with Judith in that mm -hmm. film. I think that's the that, yeah, and that's the core of it. Yeah, I think that's that's what partially draws me to the film as well. I'm quite interested in the portrayal of, of the family and the women, um, and um, even though I didn't particularly like it, the, the portrayal of the world. Um, so, for example, Catherine Shiles' book um, about Anne Hathaway talks about how, you know, recent archaeological digs and historical research points out that, you know, Anne probably ran a brewing business kind of in the back of New Place, and, you know, there was people renting apartments, so it was a big urban based house in the middle of the town lots going on you know while in all is true you've got Judy Dench kind of sewing samplers quietly in a corner that's a very different um Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway um but I do I do like the relationship between mother and daughter Anne and, and, and Judith and Sue and Susanna um and yeah I'm interested in in how they portray the early modern world again that's one of the things that's fabulous about Anonymous is that like you get to see London Bridge and the dirty little streets and 
and the same, I suppose, in, in the TNT series, Will. Um, I love the, the world making of it. Like, basically, we're all nerds and we just want to go back and see the early modern world. And that's one thing that biofiction allows us to do is to imagine. And, and Doctor Who has has this whole um, speech about how Shakespeare's world is kind of like ours. There's water cooler moments. There's recycling of horse dung. Um, so, you know, he's quite a modern. And if the early modern is modern, it's just early. Well, and 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 I think Aaron was talking about that in his paper, and and certainly Catherine Shaw was talking about it in her paper. Is that there's va- there is academic value in 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 biofiction, and that um, I I Catherine inspired this thought in me. These are not her, her words; they're mine. But that that authors of biofiction should rush in where uh, uh, scholars fear to tread in terms of speculating about what Shakespeare may or may not have done. And I realize that in that um, uh, uh, construction that makes authors of biofiction fools. But (laughs) fools um, tell the truth to power, uh, uh, and so I'm going to stick with it. Hi, my name is Lauren Gunderson. I'm the playwright for The Book of Will, among other plays, and you are listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. It's William Shakespeare's birthday month, so it's the perfect time to give the Shakespearean in your life pop-up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. Pop-up Shakespeare is on sale worldwide, and you can find links to independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. Now back to my conversation with Drs. Adele Semple and Ronan Hatful talking about their Shakespearean biofiction on the stage and screen seminar. Are we interested in holding Shakespeare to account? And I think that's one of the things that All Is True does is that you have this neglected daughter in, in Judith who is bitter and who's like, where were you, dad, when we were mourning Hamnet when he was a kid? And, and where have you been her whole life? So I think uh, uh, what you're suggesting about a kind of choric figure that sometimes characters in biofiction can ask questions that we have. So what was Shakespeare's home life like? How did he write? Was it... Um, you know, the, the voices of some divine or infernal spirits, as it is an anonymous uh, and poor Earl of Oxford is going crazy. Um, is it witches, as in Doctor Who, who were helping him along on occasion? Um, you know, is he picking up inspiration from guys on the street that he's walking past? Um, so ha- how does he do what he did and then what, what is his world and life like? So we're we're and we're holding him up to the standards of the modern world as well. Um, is he worth all the hassle and the trouble? And I think it was um, uh, Louise Geddes yesterday said, you know, as Shakespearean academics, we our answer to that question is yes, he is worth it. Like we're we're all performing him, reading him, writing about him. So you know, he, he is or he as in he the work is worth it. Um, so yeah, we, we've. My feeling about all is true is that that's a that would be a great movie. Shakespeare dealing with his, the surviving members of his family. That's a great story. And it should be told in the, in the six to 18 months after Hamnet has died. I think that's a way more interesting, powerful, believable story than doing it at the end of his life, 20 years later, because the, the, the 20 year pain, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it dramatically. And or even sort of realistically, I mean, grudges, sure, sure, yeah. 
Do you, well, what do you think then about a character like Leontes? Because Branna said in an interview that Winter's Tale has had a big influence on him, and, and Leontes does 16 years of penance um, for you know causing the death of his son and wife and the loss of his baby. So that's what kind of kept coming into my mind, which is another play actually that always makes me cry um, um, when he's threatening to to kill his his baby daughter and throw her on the fire. Um, so again, I'm I'm probably you know kind of have emotions about the, these plays and then Branna knows he's an expert at playing on those things as we see in, in you know films like Much Ado About Nothing where is Hero dead is she not um, well you have definitely touched upon my kryptonite here because Winter's Tale is a play that eludes me it's one of the few plays that I prefer reading to seeing yeah. um, that, six, that 16 year gap just kills it for me that that it uh, i mean i get it intellectually i don't buy it i buy it more from leontes though because he genuinely is responsible he genuinely did do something evil and horrible and wrong and i get that that how that can change you i'm uh, because i i'm watching this documentary now called um the falcon and the winter soldier and the winter soldier is going through a similar 80 year period um i don't think that's a spoiler ronan and catch up jesus christ um um uh so i get that i get that i get it in leonti's case i don't get it in in all is true. I don't. I don't buy it because he didn't do anything wrong. And you know, for him, to, for for Anne to conf, um, accuse him of, uh, and then you wrote Mary Wives of Windsor. I yeah, you. but I also wrote that great speech in King John, and I also wrote Twelfth Night and Hamlet back to back, both about grief. I think you'll find, Anne, if you read my complete canon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 I said this in the chat yesterday, and I and I. I didn't even think about this until a couple of days ago. I wish I had written my paper now on Lauren Gunderson's play, The Book of Will, because it 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 is a great depiction of Shakespeare in which Shakespeare never appears. He is only seen uh, reflected in the family members and the colleagues that he worked with and the rivals like Ben Johnson. Um you see him in their eyes and you see him come to life in their eyes. And also you see, you can infer how some of the characters in his plays are inspired by, I mean, they don't do anything quite so crass as what we do on the radio show, but it's just, it's just a lovely, also very moving piece of work. Adele, I think you'd really dig it. I now have a long reading list of like, I need to get those plays. So I'm really lucky that I got to see um, Dead Centre from Dublin. Um, they, they wrote and performed Hamlet, the play, and it is amazing. I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, uh, Ronan's holding up the, the book cover there. My mum's um, read it as well now, Adele. We both read it in like half an hour each. Oh I reviewed it um, for the Shakespeare in Ireland blog, and all, all I can say is I just want to see it again and again. Um, and I think it would, it, it hit those notes that you were interested in Austin around kind of trying tragedy and comedy because he's an he's a he's a modern day kid and he's grappling with kind of his father's greatness and how close his name is to Hamlet so he's he's almost great but he died and he he did nothing he kind of keeps saying I, I did nothing and, and that's his life is cut short and it's only about an hour long oh it's fabulous what happens now with this topic and with your work on this topic after after the seminar and the conference do you do you publish your findings? How, I don't even know how any of this works. 
So typically, uh, so with something like the Shakespeare Association of America Conference, um, uh, people who put in papers will maybe give the, the same paper a couple of times at different conferences. They're working out ideas uh, and those might end up as book chapters in their own monographs or they might end up as articles in scholarly journals. Um, we are hoping and have been talking about for months, we keep saying we'll plan our edited collection for, uh, you know, after we leave the planning until after the conference. And now we've got it all planned out. Uh, so we're, we're hoping to um, uh, put together an edited collection. So that would be, you know, different chapters by, by different contributors, people who are in the seminar, other people. Um, and that would hopefully be then part of a series. Um, so you can aim your, your book at different publishers and then a different series within those those publishing no one has written a book solely about this topic of biographical fiction mm. so there's a you know hopefully that's a pretty um good like mo a good yeah. niche in the market yeah yeah that's that's where we are but i think i think sleep uh caffeine and a cup of tea i think is the, the plan next that's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your recovery tips via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSC Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. You can follow Ronan and Adele on Twitter too at Ronan Hatful and at Shakes in Ireland. Thanks, as always, to dreamy literary genius Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to John Cleveland. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Lauren Gunderson, the author of The Book of Will, as well as the plays Exit Pursued by a Bear, The Heath, Natural Shocks, and The Taming. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, stay home, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 749-2247ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. The doctor takes takes Martha back specifically to see Shakespeare because he knows that will impress her the most. I mean, he's yeah. used as a signifier there. That would be a good date, in fairness. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to reduce for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.